Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to another episode of the Best of the Day Show here. The women's national team lost to Sweden in the round of 16. Here from Megan Rapino and a bunch of more players on the loss. On top of that, we have your best audio in soundcheck, including Jody Mack. He had trouble pronouncing Gundy, my man, his name. On top of that, Boyle and Bogish got into a debate over the Pac-12 and conferences and rivalries. Hear that? And Pat Boyle stunned to a news featuring a female named Hank. On top of that, Analytics and your epic fail here on the best of the DA show. Let's go. As I sit here right now, if it was not monsooning in New York, there would be World Cup soccer on our TV screens in the studio. Instead, there is the please come back soon direct TV message. We have no satellite system. Uh, but as that tourney continues down under, it does not have Team USA in it. Maybe that's how you woke up yesterday. It is definitely where we begin today. It's your cold open. Lena Kotek, who has hurt the U.S. before in the run-up play, has a chance to put them out of the World Cup. If she scores, Sweden wins, the U.S. is out. If not, another round. Kotek, up there, did it go in? Waiting on a signal. Wow. Sweden wins. Sometimes you learn the most from your failures, which sucks, but it's part of my career as well. And um, yeah, unfortunately, this is my last time in this crest, so I'm excited for them in the future. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and there's just some some dark dark comedy in me missing a penalty <laughs> in my last game ever. So I mean, that's a sick joke. That's just like, yeah. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heartrending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. In reverse order, you just heard Megan Rapino, Julie Ertz, and then JP Della Camera on Fox calling that remarkable end to U.S. Sweden, I guess 23, 22 hours ago. Uh, I woke up as the second half was ending. Extra time begins, and then the PKs, and it was a lot to go through to process before 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. This has been a controversial, a disappointing, a confusing World Cup for Team USA, but they seem to have figured things out against Sweden, except for the scoring part. They played their best match of this event, as you know by now. Could have won multiple times in regulation, maybe a time or two, in that extra time, but the Swedish goaltender Musevic just kept turning them away. And then PKs, they get the two misses, one miss, one save. They've got multiple chances to put it this way and move on. Three missed PKs then from the USA. Finally, Sweden converts an all-time review. I mean, just remarkable across the board that Alyssa Nair touched it to begin with, then almost knocked it off the goal line. And that review, as delayed as it was being shown to us, and I couldn't figure out if Fox controls all of that or if the world feed controls all of that, who actually gets blamed for the slow showing of the replay. But we finally got that graphic from the VAR of that soccer ball by, I don't know, millimeters, tenths of millimeters, just over the goal line, making it good, making Sweden win and sending U.S. soccer back home out of the round of 16, their earliest exit ever in this event, going for a three-peat. They had only ever reached at least the semifinals, and here they are two rounds shy of that being knocked out. A deserved result based on their group stage play, but not on the way they played yesterday against Sweden. And as they move forward, there's a lot of things to figure out, a lot of things to digest here most assume there's going to be a head coaching change. Vlatko Andonovsky has uh, overseen this program for a couple of years, and this is not the first disappointment. The last Olympics did not go well. In fact, I think they've only won four of the last 10 major tourneys they've been in, not all under him. Now, that's a pretty nice winning percentage, but it's not what the U.S. women's soccer program is used to. There are a lot of issues 
I still know almost nothing about soccer, but I knew not to go back to Megan Rapino yesterday after the way she played in the previous round. And that was the second sub they made, and it did not go well. At three or four corner kicks that were never dangerous. Uh, and then, of course, the missed PK, and you heard Rapino discussing that at the end of your cold open. But as we move forward here, and even U.S. Soccer put the statement out yesterday that, you know, it's great that the rest of the world is now here and this event moves on and uh, that that there's more competition and a deeper pool of teams and players. And that's my concern here this morning because during group stage watching those matches, it felt a lot like watching U.S. men's soccer where they couldn't generate chances or if they did, they couldn't convert them. They were struggling to beat lesser opponents or inferior opponents or couldn't pull off the upset and get the job done. And now I'm back in that same area where I'm wondering if because the rest of the world has caught up, the U.S. women's kind of head start has now vanished. And now the overall U.S. American soccer kind of infrastructure from, you know, from being eight years old all the way through feeding into the national team, if the shortcomings of that system, which have hamstrung the men's side is now the problem on the women's side. And I know that there were injuries, significant players. Uh, Macario wasn't there. Mallory Pugh Swanson wasn't there. This Becky Sauerbrunn defensively. This was not the, 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 the best U.S. women's soccer team they could have put out there. But they still should have been better in the group stage. Had an easier round of 16 match. They should have flipped with the Netherlands. Should have been playing South Africa. Not Sweden, the number three team in the world. And it got to burn them yesterday. And... They're in a place where they're going to have significant changes moving forward. Personnel-wise, Julie Ertz crying. She's likely done. Alex Morgan said post-match yesterday she hasn't decided anything yet, but she probably, at the very least, is not going to be one of the lead names, lead players four years from now. So there's a lot of young talent, a lot of underused talent, some other players who are not healthy right now who will circle their way back into this mix. It'll be a much different team moving forward and probably with different leadership, and it's deservedly so because this just flat out did not go well, did not go as expected, and did not figure things out fast enough, earlier enough to avoid this really embarrassing result, and that's exactly what it is. And by the way, you can call this embarrassing. You can call this disappointing. You can call this not good enough. You can be plenty negative about this performance because they've put themselves with their previous success They've set the highest of standards. And when they don't meet them, we absolutely should call them out on it. And we should explore why they didn't get there and what needs to be changed. Who needs to be changed? Whether it's the support staff, the technical staff, or it's the top guy in Andonofsky, or it's everybody. Those are all valid questions, fair questions, and we'll get answers on them sometime soon. You can say all of those things without knocking this team. And I understand that they say things and they do things that you might not necessarily agree with, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have your support, especially when a lot of your arguments about patriotism and now here you are celebrating a U.S. team losing a major sporting event. They, you don't like them complaining or talking or debating or fighting for the things that they think are wrong. But now you're sitting here celebrating, enjoying their defeat because you don't like certain things and you don't agree with certain things. At the very least, that makes you a hypocrite. It might make you worse things. Even the stupid, chippy jokes about, oh, too many commercials, not enough goals. I don't understand those tweets, which were the first ones I saw yesterday when this match was over. When you write that, when you say that... are you saying that they were they were there were too many photo shoots? They weren't practicing soccer enough, and that's why Alex Morgan's header was saved yesterday on a diving play by the goalie. Like that's that's her fault. I just there's so much ridiculous back and forth, contradictory behavior, being hypocritical. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, we should just be better. And we can be critical of them, and they deserve it. And there are questions, valid questions to ask, tough questions that deserve tough thoughtful answers from them but the petty stuff is should beneath us should be beneath us it's not i wish it was i'm not surprised that it isn't but we should kind of work to be a little bit better by that and we are efforting by the way a soccer guest our friends uh, at the athletic are trying to find somebody that maybe even might will be awake down under i believe now we've crossed 
into past 10 o'clock p.m. Monday night down there. So hopefully before we're done, we'll have somebody discuss all of this better than me and Boyle. Uh, but we will certainly, if not today, then tomorrow, tackle this big subject. because There's a lot of things to unpack from yesterday and also, too, for this tournament moving forward. And P.S., one more soccer note, Messi scored two more goals last night. I think that's seven in four games. They've all been League's Cup games, and I, I think not an actual MLS game yet, but another MLS opponent last night. And Inter-Miami was actually losing for a little bit, and Messi scored two goals, and then in PKs to help them advance. It's just, it's just remarkable. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. Soundcheck on this Monday morning begins on Saturday night. Uh, I guess SummerSlam was last night in Detroit, Pete? Oh, it was Saturday. It night. was Saturday. And there was a Paul brother fighting Nate Diaz Saturday night as well. That's right. The third fight Saturday was my favorite. This Guardians White Sox, Jose Ramirez against Tim Anderson. Hey, the diving Vaughn down the right field line, kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide, safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Jose and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Tom Hamilton is the most famous baseball radio announcer right now because of this call. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. It was, I think, two Mondays ago where... It was me and Boyle, and it was EJ Stewart, and we were talking about a Cubs red, uh, Cubs Cardinals. Miles Michaelis hit Ian Happ after Ian Happ hit uh, Wilson Contreras with his backswing, and EJ was very anti-violence. Me and Boyle were very pro-violence. I'm pro-violence again in this scenario. This is a heck of a fight. A lot of baseball fights are a lot of fake tough guys pushing and backing away and hold me back, hold me back. This is a full-on fight. If you haven't seen this by now, I don't know what you've been doing for the last, I don't know, 36, 48 hours. This video has been everywhere. It is Jose Ramirez sliding into second base through the legs of Tim Anderson. Anderson is in no rush to kind of step around Ramirez and give him freedom to get up. Ramirez says something from the ground, stands up, they push, they shove, and then they go, let's fight. And almost like in hockey style, Tim Anderson wiggles his glove off his left hand and puts up his dukes and away they go and then Ramirez catches him with a right hook in the left jaw and down goes Anderson down goes Anderson that was just the beginning then there was more pushing and scrambling they dragged Anderson off the field once and then I think the Cleveland third base coach almost fought the White Sox manager and while that was going on Anderson came back onto the field and was literally picked up and now carried off the field by one of his teammates Again, I'm going to be pro-violence in that. If you're going to fight, fight. And those guys fought. And even Terry Franconi after the game said, you don't want to ha- enjoy this or make make light of it. But he loved Hamilton's call. And everybody loved the fight, even though it involved the dude getting getting knocked out. What was the nastiest fight you were in as a player? Well, I'm assuming at least once you were in a, a benches-clearing brawl. Yeah, um, I was. And I'm trying to remember... If that was college or if that was summer ball in the Northwoods League? Yeah. Well, I... or, or this week, two Thursdays ago. <laughs> Didn't you always get into a fight in the Boomer Charity softball game? Mm, oh, football. The oh, flag football, football flag game. Football, it wasn't right. really a fight. I kind of just lost my mind. I was okay. talking a bunch of 18 year olds saying, saying, I'm him <laughs> after I caught two touchdown passes. That makes sense. But that was about it. No, okay. I think. That, I think there was a benches clearing kerfuffle one time in uh, one of my college games, but again, nothing. It, no, it doesn't come of anything. Um, no, there was a summer league one where somebody hit somebody. He like walked towards the mound. We all immediately jump out of the dugout, you know, waiting for action. Testosterone riddled, and uh, we kind of all just like come together in a scrum. And I just remember one of the coaches from the other team who was like tattoo sleeve, like probably big hog in his lip, like 
forearms massive for no reason. And he kind of just got in the middle and he screamed at the top of his lungs, enough! And we were just like, okay, uh, yeah. time to go back to the dugout. Well, I can see you also getting into one of those secondary brawls that happens after the uh, the main kerfuffle. Yeah, those are good. Where all of a sudden, then the camera's like jerks over because something spills out yeah. uh, on the uh, the edge of the uh, the a brawl. Bench player fighting with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've never been in one of those. Now I'm sure you were all for this fight. You oh, love absolutely. This one. Need more fights in baseball. Need more fights. That was the best. That was the most exciting thing in baseball since Sosa versus McGuire. But do we know why he they started throwing punches? So. I- not exactly. Ramirez said, you know, he's always been disrespecting the game for a long time now. So I, I still read it as he didn't like that he stood over him. But even though Ramirez slid in, in between his legs, rightfully so, Anderson was in like, regular position to take yeah, the throw. Yeah, he didn't do anything out of the, out I, of the sorts. I think maybe Ramirez wanted him to move faster so he could get up. He kind of just stayed there. But, yeah, I, I think Ramirez got unnecessarily upset to there, begin all this. Yes. It was warming up the entire series. So there was an there was an incident on Friday. I think uh, a couple guys got ejected. And then earlier in the game, I think Tim Anderson was talking smack to one of the Guardians players on second base. And he almost like separating them. So it just reached the boiling point after Ramirez got to second and he he said let's fight and he didn't back down. And he has he's had some issues before with other, other players. Yes. So I mean, it's not it's not surprising from his end that he's in another scuffle. Yeah. You know, but uh, this was just you know as Ryan was saying maybe brewing, but but even the brewing part, like right. So Ramirez slides in a second and he's just ready to fight. Like something has, in the moment, I think Anderson standing over him said something is what made him was made him angry or said something that we didn't see. True. Yeah. And then Anderson was on Twitter yesterday. I don't know eight, nine, ten tweets in a row. Almost presenting like a conspiracy theory. Like, I don't like they're out to get me. And the last one was like the picture bigger instead of the bigger picture. And that's that's my new favorite thing. The picture bigger. Maybe he has CTE or concussion. Well, I mean, that is what some people were saying. Like, is is he actually still okay? Because, I mean, he was still wobbly coming off the field when they were the first time ushering him off. His legs still kind of buckled every once in a while. Like, he was pretty messed up. So, on a serious note, there could have been something wrong with him still yesterday. But it was just a lot of random stuff like everyone's out to get me and I'm keeping names basically. And okay. So, someone might want to take the phone away from him and let, let him uh, yeah. take, a, take a little breather. And, and plus, another thing to add on top of the White Sox. I mean, what a disaster. Awful. What a disaster. I mean, Tony LaRusa, yeah, that's one thing. But now it still continues. There's something majorly wrong in that organization. Might need to go to Ken Williams this time. And you had the new Yankees reliever. Yes. What's his name? Wayne and Middleton? Keenan. Keenan. Keenan Middleton. Botcher. Betcher. You know, basically like blowtorched them. I was going to yeah. do this in the update, but now since we're talking about it, blowtorched them. Said, yeah, there's a player who regularly falls asleep in the bullpen. Guys miss meetings all the time. The, the organization is a disaster. I'm not right about a lot of things, but we were on the LaRusta thing from the beginning. Uh-huh. And not that anybody else wasn't, but, I mean, that was never going to work. And they tried to make it work and had no chance. And then when they gave this Pedro Grafal the job, like, the the baseball world loved it. You know, a lifer, it's about time, and he has not fixed anything. And Pete's right. Now you got to go Ken over Williams. to the top and start from the whole thing. Not Ken Anderson. Ken you, Williams. You said Ken Williams. I did? Okay. I thought you did, yeah. <laughs> Well, this, comes, this comes back to Jerry Reinsdorf being that probably too. one of the worst owners in the last 20 years of professional sports. Yeah, but it might, it might be time to change it up up there. Let's move on to Saturday earlier before the fight in Cleveland. Uh, elsewhere in Ohio, we had the Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Joe Thomas was the last speaker of the day. Uh, and here is Joe during his Hall of Fame speech taking shots at his good buddy Steve Johnson. To my best friends growing up, Steve Johnson, you always kept me humble. You beat me out my senior year of high school for the Offensive Lineman of the Year in the Greater Metro Conference. Uh, Thanks for never letting me forget that. I guess I was just a harder worker than you in college because you ended up being a long snapper, and I'm standing up here with the gold jacket. (laughs) I'll let you buy me a beer later. (laughs) There's some heat in there, is there not? He was there too. I so. know, I know, and like I so I've I've heard this thing like three times, and I can't figure out if it's just a poorly delivered shot or like the I guess I'm a harder worker than you is what keeps catching my ear. It's all inside. That's all inside jokes right there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all 
Uh, Joe Thomas has been having this relationship with 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 him for years, and it's probably just a, another uh, just a couple jabs. Yeah, and you know the lo- the long snapper jokes as we know well write themselves, <laughs> especially with some people in the audience. But day. it's the that one caveat of. I guess I worked harder than you in college. I need I need to know what that backstory is, what that inside joke pertains to. I think I think it's an inside shot at him. He probably didn't work as hard as the long snapper. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, speaking of our favorite long snapper and his dad, um, I only saw a picture of Peter Schwartz with a Hall of Fame ring. I'm assuming that was Joe Klecko, but it was in a T-shirt, which I hope means Schwartz didn't go to a Klecko Hall of Fame party in a T-shirt. I, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't. But he at least got himself near a Hall of Fame ring. But our quest on Friday was to see if he got himself into a Hall of Fame party. And I don't think he did, at least from what I saw on social media. Yeah, the only parties I saw were the parties that Tiki attended to for Ronde. That's the only parties I saw. I spent a strange amount of time seeing all those pictures and in the run-up to this, wondering in his heart of hearts how Tiki feels about all of this. I'm sure he wants to be there. No, of course. But, but like... Can you go that entire weekend and not in any have any feelings about yourself and be like, I should be here uh, or I was good or the Giants should love me more? Like, no, not not for him because of their relationship. They, him and Rondé are so close. Yeah, it's not. I, I bet you he if he thought about it, it was about maybe like uh, a couple minutes. Nothing major. I also think it helps that that they're twins. Yes. If Tiki was the older brother, because I, I think that's how I'm thinking of it, because I'm a, my, my brother's younger than me, and if we had somehow both played professional anything, and I was as good as Tiki, even my brother had Rondé's career, and therefore he's going into Canton, I, I think every once in a while on that weekend, I'd be like, I'd be, I don't even still know what the right word is. It's, just like, an, it's a natural thought to, to like have, be like, reminded of like right. maybe I could have done this or done that or well, why is it, like no one's paying attention, not enough attention to me. There's so many reminders. <laughs> there's right. Busts in a, in, a, in a whole thing. And it looks like you for, I mean, for right. crying out loud for Tiki. It's like, is that me? Is that who? Who is that? Now, I, I think for Tiki's sake, I think there will be a push for Tiki now that Rondé's in. I think Rondé also. Uh, in his speech, kind of alluding to yeah. that Tiki should be there. I think there will be a push for Tiki, and Tiki should be there. Two other things on this. I don't know if this picture was real or not, and I, I had to be honest, I did not watch the ceremony live Saturday, um, but I saw a picture of a barely, like, third full stadium as Joe Thomas was about to talk. I don't know if people ran out to get bathrooms and concessions in between speeches, but there's a picture from up above that showed almost nobody in that place Preparing to listen to Joe Thomas. It probably goes back to how hot it was. Right, because I mean, it is during the day. They used to do it at night. Why? When did they change it? I, I, I don't remember. It might it might have just been this year or last year because in recent years, I remember seeing speeches at night. Right, in the dark, thinking yep. this is the way to do it. Get me out of the heat. Yeah, like the I, stupid baseball one. Look, I, I, think, I think, as I've said on this show before, I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame is the best of all the Hall of Fames. The process... The, the selection, what you get, the, the, the busts, all that. I think it's the best of all the Hall of Fames in terms of how they handle things. They need to find an indoor facility. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially they're only drawing 75 people. Yeah. You can get a VFW hall and call it a day. <laughs> uh, one other Hall of Fame note. There, I, I, know, I think you might know him too, Pete. Colin Cosell, the last yes. name is obvious. Yes. He is one of the... Uh, public address announcers at City Field and other places here in New York. I've known him from uh, high school sporting event broadcasts. I've known him for years now. Excellent guy. Great guy. And his grandfather is Howard Cosell. And I didn't know this until Colin tweeted yesterday that Howard is not in the Pro Football Hall of it's Fame. It's amazing because they had that Rose, uh, the Pete Rosell Award. Right. They have a media award. And you would think he'd be there. You could also make a case that he goes in as a contributor because Monday Night Football is one of the most significant sports TV properties ever. Mm-hmm. And Howard Cosell is right in the reason for that being true. You could also make a case that Howard Cosell should have a name on an award for the whole thing. Right. And as Colin says, his grandfather was was tough to deal with at times and burned bridges and whatever. But I, I like I would have bet a lot of money for me. Pete would have bet like probably 75 full cents on this. That's right. That he was in the Hall of Fame for years. I couldn't believe that when I saw Colin's tweet yesterday. So 
that's something that needs to be rectified as soon as possible because for whatever issues you have with Howard Cosell, there's no way to talk about the growth of football without discussing him and Gifford and Don Meredith on Monday Night Football. And that's surprising. That's got that gotten past the committee that does. I don't I see. I don't know if the big committee does that award. They, I don't think they do. I oh, think those probably. awards come from the Hall of Fame. There's okay. got to be a committee for that too, but it's not the same selection process as the main players and coaches. Uh, Howard Howard Cosell, long overdue, should be there. Yes. Uh, now, last but not least, I think a young Howard Cosell did stats for Jody Mack when he was doing play-by-play <laughs> of the original American football championship. Uh, but our good friend Jody Mack on the air on CBS Sports Radio this weekend and had to talk about Packers football and tried to show off saying the Packers GM's last name. So let me ask you about roster building because I just don't understand. I, I know the back and forth between Rodgers and your GM there, Gutenkunst, and they just could never get on the same page. And uh, everyone who's a Rodgers fan think Gutenkunst was an idiot and terrible. And everyone who didn't like Aaron and his attitude stood up for Gutenkunst. I was kind of in the middle. I thought that both of them at times made mistakes and both of them were jerks. But here's one where I can't explain Gutenkunst's line of thinking. Me neither. I mean, whether or not he's saying it correctly. Whoever he is. But why does he say it four times in seven seconds? I think it's a defense mechanism. It's a way for him to to feel like he's getting it right. And poor, poor Ryan B., who wasn't sure whether we could air that <laughs> correctly or not because it flirts with some pretty heinous language. It but does, but it's, it's in Joey's eyes, it's a name. Yes. And and it's not like there were certain syllables left off of it. Right. It could have been worse. It could have been very clearly the bad, bad, bad word. Correct. It was four times, though. Right. And that, like, as you, you texted me, why does he do it four times in three seconds? I mean, that's the question. Like, it, you do that when you master... A dentacumpo, then you just start saying it to like show off. <laughs> but he's showing off and he's got it wrong, I think. Maybe he just wants to say it like that. I don't know. And we still don't even know the right way to say it because the Packers have it said one way and the people who know him say it a different way. Uh, there is no right answer. Brian Guntekunst. Exactly. But you gotta, at this point, you can't, you gotta go Gunti, my man. I mean, that's just, the, that's actually the way to do it is you have Gunty, to, my man. you gotta shorten it. Gunty. You Gunty got, for sure. You got to, exactly. You got to make it your own. Gunty, uh, whatever. He Gunty. As awkward as it might be, but also space it out. You Brian don't. Guntekunst. You don't need to say that over and over and over and over and over again. For our sake, yes. Right, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> Mr. GM, call him. The yeah. Packers GM. Yeah. Mr. G. Mr. G. Mr. GM. Hockey has this weird nickname thing. Like, George McPhee used to be the GM in Washington, the Capitals, and they called him GMGM, General Manager George McPhee, somebody else. So we could call him, like, GBGM. We could call him something like that, or GB, yeah, GBGM or GBBG, or just BG. Let's call him BG. That's easy. Done. And now we're not flirting with danger, right? That's fine with me. Because even Gunty or Gunty is probably wrong. I think it's definitely wrong. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Had a story from Friday that we didn't get to that Boyle liked, and Boyle's here today. So it goes back in today's rundown. We'll see if we get there. Uh, LSU making a quick concession to betters with how they'll handle injuries for this coming football season. We've got the Angels later this hour, still without a win since the trade deadline, adding all those pieces after not trading Shohei Otani. Things not going well for the Halos at the moment. And shortly this hour, We'll check in on Carson Wentz, who still wants to play football, is practicing on his own without a job, and posted a picture yesterday that for a short period of time sent social media ablaze and triggered all sorts of deserved Carson Wentz jokes. Today's poll question, by the way, is now up at CBS Sports Radio. Coming off the Jody Mack clip and sound check, 
where he rapid-fire mispronounced the Packer GM's last name, I don't know, five times in seven seconds. This is unofficial. This, of, of course, needs DA's final approval. But we are asking you this morning, what should Brian Gutekunst nickname be? The original Gunty, my man. My suggestion, plain old BG for his initials, obviously. And then choice number three, Ryan Botcher. I, I didn't make that. You didn't. Pete did. Thinks it's hilarious. We'll give it to Pete. See if, if America responds. I think it's hilarious. I think I, that's my nickname for him. That's fine. <laughs> and I would like it to be official. If DA signs off on this, if I have to reference Packers GM Ryan Botcher in updates for the rest of the football season, sign me up. Let's begin, though, with expansion. I said this at the top of the show. When we were here Friday, somewhere in the last hour, the Athletic reported, and other outlets, that there was a Pac-12 meeting coming shortly and that talk of Oregon and Washington moving to the Big Ten had cooled off a little bit. There was renewed optimism about the Pac-12 surviving and maybe only losing Colorado this time around. That was, you know, 9.15, 9.30-ish Eastern time on Friday morning. By the time we got to dinner, my time on Friday in the East, everybody had left the Pac-12. Oregon and Washington were going to the Big Ten, and Arizona and Arizona State and Utah said, yeah, we should probably go as well. And away they all went, which leaves now just four teams in the Pac-12. And I guess originally there were four teams in the Pac-4 when Jody helped found it back in 18-whatever in Portland, Oregon. And now we're (laughs) down to four again. Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. And where they go is a significant question. And one of the, and there's a lot, there are a lot of losers in this. Rivalries are broken, change may not be renewed, may feel different moving forward. An entire conference may soon be gone. But, you know, I can't, not think about the non-football and basketball players in all of these conferences at all of these schools who, yes, they're going to benefit from all of this TV money coming in. But the benefit they're not going to get from that money is time travel, is chartered planes, that when Oregon baseball has to go to Piscataway, New Jersey, they're going to fly from Eugene to Denver to Newark and then bus from Newark to Piscataway. The volleyball teams, soccer teams, track and field, swimming and diving. I, I just, I can't get past that. It's not new news. It's not going to change. I wish it could, but I can't get past those kids. And the, the again, the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of talking about student athletes. And I'll remind you, the NCAA requires you to call them student-athletes. When you're at a press conference or you're writing about them, you'll hear about it if you don't say student-athletes. Our old friend, John Feinstein, because um, this is the kind of guy he is, made sure to never call them student-athletes so that people would yell at him and whatever. Yeah, good for him. So while they make you do those stupid things like that, they also make basketball games during March Madness come on Sunday night where these kids will never get back to campus if they have a class on Monday, and they know that, and they don't care. And now they just keep allowing and signing up for all of these smaller schools, the non-revenue-creating sports, to just travel and travel and travel and spend more time on planes, in airports, on buses, however, not in class because they've got because their conference foe is now literally across the country. Not a time zone, not two, now everybody. From Oregon to New Jersey. I mean, the, the, the Big Ten now is basically, you can just go in there and find a different open to this show every day. Just pick two cities and you're covering, you're crisscrossing America to explain that we're heard nationwide and north of the border because of the way they have set things up here. It just sucks. It's unfair. It's hypocritical. And it's why this has to change. And I have no hope that this will, and I understand why it's nearly impossible. But at some point, college football just needs to be its own thing. And if you need to rope in men's and women's basketball too, I get it. Right now, every TV contract 
includes everybody. It's about football and sometimes a little bit about basketball, but it's it also includes all of those Olympic sports, but it's not about them, but they're all intertwined in those deals. So this can't necessarily be easily unpacked, but if everybody's on board and no one's fighting it, it can be relatively easily unpacked because this just doesn't work. It shouldn't work like this. The Pac-12 would be, will be different for forever, no matter what, if Oregon and Washington and Arizona, and Arizona they're playing football elsewhere. We can't fix that. But at least let everybody else still live in the Pac-12 or the Pac-whatever and keep those rivalries and shorten travel time. Go back to bus rides, not plane trips. Go back to being off campus for the minimum amount of time, not the maximum because you're going all over the place to play your games. And since football is driving all of this, from TV execs to school presidents to ADs, just make it its own thing. We're, ba- we're almost there now. Why not just go all in and get it all over with? Figure out who goes where. I know Chip Kelly over the weekend threw this out there, half joking, half not. But if the goal is to have basically an NFL structure on the college football front, conferences and divisions, let's just get there. Pick whatever you, whatever you want, 48, 64 teams, whatever the math makes sense, however you want to line them up. You want to have eight groups of eight, whatever it is. Figure out a way to save some names. I don't know, if you need to have the Big Ten and the SEC. But let's, let's just make football exist on its own. Then it can have its own rules about transfers, NIL, this and that, and everyone else can be left alone. But at least the losers I've just talked about at Oregon, Washington, wherever, where they're now being dragged across the country to play all these conference games, at least they're still in the bigger conferences with all the money. Because the next level down of losing are the athletes at Stanford and Cal and Oregon State and Washington State. And with all due respect to Washington State and Oregon State, their appeal to the other, the big groups is almost zero. And that is what it is. Stanford and Cal should have more appeal, but they don't. What those two schools do have is a remarkable history in producing non-football and non-basketball star athletes, Olympic athletes. In fact, the last time it was counted, Stanford led the world, basically, in producing Olympians. And before you shrug and roll your eyes, you care about those sports because you watch the Olympics. The Olympics, as Pat Forty said it over the weekend at SI.com, wrote about it, I should say, Olympic TV ratings are like a Michigan-Ohio State football game every night for 15, 16, 17 nights, not a Saturday in November. For two and a half weeks, you watch the Olympics like we watch those football games. So you care about these sports, and you care about these athletes. And Stanford, right now, shy of the Olympics, they are, they have some of the best programs in those sports currently and historically. And those programs rely on Pac-12 money, on Power 5 conference money coming in, which is why Stanford and Cal can't go running to the Mountain West where it would make sense geographically to play those schools. And there is some decent competition in, those, in that conference for their bigger sports. But I think as a Mountain West Member, you get $6 million a year from their media rights deal. It's 30 right now in the Pac-12, and it'd be 23 and up had they accepted this Apple deal. You can't give back 16, 17, $20 million of budget money and keep those sports going. So if Stanford and Cal in particular don't get almost like a sympathy invite to one of these big leagues or we don't fast forward even more and really reset the whole thing and they're included in that, whatever that looks like, they're in real trouble and in real danger of cutting the sports that are so good that actually do apply to the whole student-athlete moniker and amateurism. Like, if that stuff means something to you, that's where it really exists. It's not in football and basketball. It is in soccer. It is in gymnastics. 
And all those things are in jeopardy now because greedy TV execs and schools and conference commissioners want to max out football money. And I get that, but it doesn't mean we have to ignore the downside of all of this. And there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of people who are going to be hurt by this significantly. And maybe somewhere along the way there's a solution, but I, I don't think so. But it's something that you're going to feel and you're going to notice if those sports down, those schools downsize, if they do away with teams altogether, it's going to be noticeable. The list of athletes, Olympians, that have come from those two schools in particular, Stanford and Cal, is like in over 500 combined. Huge names. Katie Ledecky, Alex Morgan. And all those teams are in jeopardy now because Stanford and Cal, because they're slightly just not good enough in football, are not draws in this because again they want to be student athletes but the student part of this doesn't matter because Stanford and Cal are top five schools when it comes to that but that has literally no bearing on anyone's decision to go court them and bring them into their league and they're just sitting there flapping in the breeze and as of you know next summer there are four teams in the Pac-12 whatever they're going to call it 855-212-4CBS 855-212 Four two two seven. Boy, I get why it's all happening, and we've expected it to happen all along, but it's just, and there's a lot of good in all this, too. I mean, new matchups we're going to see now. You can sign me up for some of these. Oregon, Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State. Those are going to be interesting football games. We'll get them regularly now. But, I mean, there's there's also a lot of crap involved in this, and, and weeding through it's tough sometimes. Yeah, I mean, when you're seeing it happen day by day, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, UCLA and USC last year, I guess, you know, the Pac-12 is just, now they're going to be, what, after USC and UCLA announced they're going to leave, they were back down to 10 teams? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, all right, maybe they go back to the Pac-10, and then Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, Oregon, while well, everybody's leaving, so it's the mass exodus. So in the moment, you think it's kind of crap, and you... You think it's, you know, a bunch of greedy TV execs and college presidents and chancellors. I, I honestly think this is going to be better for college football. I really do. This is It's messy. It's chaotic right now. You don't know who's leaving. You don't know who's playing in what conference. Like, if I asked you to rattle off the Big 12 right now, it would probably be a little bit tough with everybody that's going there. You got four new schools this year. Right. Everybody that's going there next year. That's the hard part for me is when people are going to be there, when the when expansion happens and the playoff, like all the timeline is what confuses me. Yeah, but think of, but and what I but what I go back to is think about how the Big 12 as we knew it 10 years ago versus, you know, before all these conference schools started leaving to come here in this new conference realignment chaos. We had like the first kind of conference realignment blip like 10 years ago, right? When West Virginia left, um, Nebraska used to be in the big 12. Now they're in the big 10. I forget how long ago that happened. It feels like it was like what, 10, 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, but anyway, uh, I I don't, I can't get behind the whole, Oh, now you're ruining college rivalries because now the what's the rivalry in the Big Ten? Oregon versus Ohio State? Well, I mean, I, Oregon, I Oregon get, State and Washington, Washington State, those matter. I get that in terms of geographical proximity. They're close to one another, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't think college rivalries in the world of social media now, no rivalry is as great as it used to be. And I don't think that just because, hey, Oregon State's two hours from us in Cor- what is it, Corvallis? Yeah. Or, you know, some schools that are close together, UCLA and USC. I mean, they're still in the same conference, but, like, let's say they broke into different conferences now. Hey, they're 30 minutes away from us, so we hate them. I get that. I get the history behind the rivalries, but new rivalries will form. New rivalries will form. We will move on. And, you know, the the neighbor outside your uh, on your block that hangs an Oregon State flag while you hang an Oregon flag and you, you walk outside and you snarl at him because he went to Oregon State, like, you move on. It, I, I can't get behind the fact that college football and college athletics are ruined now because rivalries were such a big staple of it. Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't use the word ruined generally, but, I mean, those rivalries matter. And it's easy for us to say, like, as New Yorkers, never actually living them and not living the college football life to begin with. But, I mean, like, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, like, those are things. I don't feel it. I don't well, feel you the Well, you shouldn't. But, like, we, we, when we've been in Boise, we've had 
we've talked to people in that that came from those areas to see us in Boise, and it's come up, and there where there's people listening in that whole corner of the country. We're like, that's the thing. Like that's that's but the here, game, and it, now it's it, gone. Is it the is it the game just because they're close to one another, or is it the game because they've played it hundreds of times? So it's just it's tradition. Well, it's, is it tradition? It's, it's all that's, of them. I mean, yeah, that's that's how you get tradition. That's well, you how make, you build you make, rivalries. We're making new traditions here, so yeah, it sucks. Mm. I guess right now for the in the moment for the next two three years, but in five six seven eight years from now, you'll have new rivalries. In twenty years. I can't imagine we're going to have conference realignment every three, four years for the next 20, 30 years. At some point, things are going to settle in. You know, <laughs> maybe it's when we get two major conferences with 25 teams and everybody else is on their own and in independence. But you are going to get new traditions. You'll get new rivalries 20 years from now. Maybe Oregon-UCLA or Oregon-Michigan is, is going to be a gigantic rivalry. And, you know, we're talking about, oh, wow. You know, remember, remember when it was Oregon-Oregon State? Now, how about this rivalry? What's better, it's best for the competition. That's the thing that is that is coming out of this. That's the best thing for it. Because now you're getting several of the best teams all in one conference playing each other. And as they move to a 12-team college football playoff, yeah, maybe you still only think that four or five or six college football teams can actually win a national championship. But now that you're going to get several of the best teams in the country playing each other during the regular season, you know, Maybe if Alabama slips up like they did twice last year, you know, there are they're the eight seed or they're the nine seed, but they you still think that Alabama can win a national championship. So it gives you the 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 sense that okay, one loss doesn't ruin a team season now as they move towards a twelve team college football playoff, and you're gonna have several blockbuster matchups throughout the year rather than some of these teams playing cupcake D, you know, division one double A teams in week one and week uh, eleven. Yeah, I mean, there's probably still going to get that, just as like. Uh, well, you probably get early. at least one, but yeah. hopefully you don't get two or three. But I mean, it's just you know, the Oregon Oregon State game is called the Civil War, right? I mean, like that, it, like that's just hard. And Oregon said over the weekend when they announced they were leaving that they intend to play Oregon State in everything, including football. But I don't even know if that's going to be physically possible. However, things end up where Oregon State ends up, and what the Big Ten schedule structure is going to be, what's left, I and mean, if football schedules are made ridiculously far forward. So I don't even know where the hole in Oregon's schedule is to put Oregon State football on there. Like, people are going to feel those things missing. I, I'm not going to sit here and dismiss the significance of college tradition. I've talked to too many people who care too much about that game more than the rest of the entire season. So I, you, know, like you can't just throw it away. And But that's what a lot of these decisions are actually doing, is throwing away these games that are not going to exist every year. They're not going to exist inside a conference. They're going to be a non-conference game. They might be at a different time of year. Like, those are those are significant losses for people. Now, maybe this is because the Pac-12... <laughs> the Pac-12 uh, production value when those games are played is so terrible because they didn't care about them and didn't spend any money in them, you know, dolling up those games. Maybe it, that's why I didn't get any juice when I would watch Oregon-Oregon State on TV and, like, eh, I don't really feel it. I don't really feel the big rivalry here. Uh, I mean, what do they even play for? Tell me what Oregon, Oregon State plays. Do they play for the platypus? The, the trophy? Uh, is it? One of them is the trophies are always weird. I mean, there's an axe in the Big Ten. There's a rose bush somewhere. But even like, you know, I, I'm a, I follow, I, when I was in school, I had to follow Page League football. Lehigh Lafayette is the most played rivalry in college football history. You wouldn't care about it, but they played at a Yankee Stadium when it was the 100th anniversary and people showed up and people give a you know what about it in that part of Pennsylvania because it's just tradition. And if something happened that one of those schools left the Patriot and they didn't play it anymore, it would matter to people, and they'd they'd hate the side that was breaking it up. That's the I, stuff to I, me that— I'm not, that, I'm not saying rivalries mean, count for nothing. I'm just saying it's not like they're the end-all, be-all. I, and I no. think the only thing that people say they care about rivalries is because it's tradition. Rather, right. rather, it's tradition, and just because they're they're next to you, rather than there actually being any kind of rivalry. I think rivalries are dying all across sports. I mean, look at baseball. Yankees Red Sox means nothing anymore, and they've largely been competitive, even though they haven't been in a World Series either team in a couple of years. The Red Sox what won their last World Series twenty sixteen? Yeah, I still think the rivalry's though, been dead. The look rivalry's at dead you, because the Red Sox UNC, haven't been good. Does UNC Duke feel like a huge rivalry to you anymore? In college basketball? Yeah. Yeah. Not to me. Yeah, and I think the Iron Bowl still matters. I think, I think all those things matter. 
I don't think they matter. At least, I don't know. Maybe I just don't feel things anymore. Maybe I'm losing just emotions. Numb. Rivalries change for me. So I think, like, over the last couple of years, like you said the Yankees don't play the Red Sox. I feel like the Yankees-Blue Jays is more of a rivalry now than the Red Sox. Yeah, and I think also it's just it's not the best comparison pro to college because the, the, the dynamic is different. I mean, you know, they're playing 14 times. used to be 19 times a year. It's hard to get geeked up for every single one of those matches. When you had Yankees-Red Sox in the ALCS sometime soon, we're right back in the hate. We're right back in Bloody Sox and Bucky Dent and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Even the even the the Coach K the Final Four game between Duke and UNC was overshadowed by Coach K's retirement. Yeah, but that took the arguably the greatest coach of all time retiring to change the dynamic a little bit of that game. If they, if he was still coaching and it was still Duke North Carolina for the first time ever in the Final Four, that's hot. Sign me up for that. That's hot. Yeah. I mean, I saw Duke North Carolina play in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, and that place was was on fire. And that game meant almost nothing because it was an attorney, and they were both getting in, and that game had a lot of heat in it. Yeah, I think you're. I think we're missing this one. It's. I think it's hard for us to understand it because we don't. We don't have one. We don't. When you when you grow up in New York and New Jersey, you don't have a rivalry in college sports to really connect to, and it just changes the your entire view of the situation. I don't think we can comprehend because we don't have our own how significant those those games are. Because it is, is it because the things that you do dismiss it as why it's important because it actually is your neighbor. It's the guy next door, and sometimes the schools too are like there's a dynamic where hey, I'm better than you because I got into this school, you couldn't get in, you went to the other school, and now we're gonna and but then the little guy the from the you know, the worst school academically maybe they're the ones that win the basketball game or the football game. And that's where you get your revenge. Those things you can't duplicate with now, on at face value, a good Oregon-Michigan football game. But Michigan can't ever be Oregon State to Oregon. That's just impossible. Well, now Oregon can hate Washington even more than they do now because <laughs> now they're going to be the closest neighbors in the Big Ten and they're states that neighbor each other. So there you go. There's a new rivalry. And Oregon destroyed Oregon State basically every year out of the you know the last yeah. two out of three, I think, Oregon State won. But before that, it was like eight straight years. So... How much of a rivalry is it if they kick your ass every single year? Let's get stunned. Yeah. It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. Okay, so Bogus being the handsome gentleman that he is and an alpha dolphin, right? If you ever were to be a dolphin, you'd be an alpha one. Alpha dolphin beta human, yes. There you go. That's on your tombstone. Sent me this one. Brooke just nodded yes. I don't know how to take that. Brooke nodded yes? She did. Well, she knows what beta means because she's young like you. Is Brooke nodding? I can't see what she's doing, but Brooke, nod if you're nodding at Bogus being a beta human or nod if you're nodding at Bogus being an alpha dolphin. Neither. She's confused. Okay. It's fine. All right, Brooke. Thanks for coming. Neither. Uh, Neither. Different nod. (laughs) So anyway, a 400-pound black bear known as Hank the Tank was captured on Friday with her three cubs by California wildlife authorities. So why are wildlife capturing Hank the Tank, you may ask? Who's a female bear, Yes. Is she the infamous cocaine bear? Did she gobble up some poor little bunny rabbit? And yes, she is a female, even though her name is Hank. Uh, it's rude. We'll get to that in a second. No, Hank the Tank is apparently responsible for at least 21 home break-ins, yeah. officials said. And she is being shot and skinned for her fur later this week. <laughs> what oh. is she being? No, I'm kidding. They're tra- She'll be a rug in my lodge. They're, they're transporting her to an animal sanctuary in Colorado. Hiring her as a tape pop. <laughs> That's Pete's next hire. She's applying for Sean's job. <laughs> No, so they transported her to an animal sanctuary in Colorado. I mean, they did tranquilize her, but this is an uplifting stun to a news, not the silence of the lambs breakdown we got from Emmanuel <laughs> on Friday. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> so these break-ins were going down in the South Lake Tahoe area. So how did they know Sweet Hank was the one breaking in these homes? Well, Prince. Well, they, yeah, they do and they don't. Apparently, they traced the bear DNA from these home break-ins back to her, 
But hold on. Hold on. Hank is actually one of three bears responsible for the rummaging and ransacking incidents that took place mostly last year. But Hank's taking the full rap? Yeah, so get this. So Jordan Traverso, one of the spokespeople for the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, said, I guess they all technically are Hank the Tank. I mean, that's the most no. stunned news part of the story right She's there. She's a lawyer. That sweet poor female bear is taking the fall by herself for the other two. What? I, I don't I, like this. I don't like the sexist name. I don't like the right? fact that one bear is taking the heat for all three of them. There's This can't go down like this. I hope those other two bears rip that community apart. I think we should all be alpha humans now and go... One bear gets in trouble, or no, I mean, all of them get in trouble, or none of them get in trouble. So, the, can't and, be like this. and also, they captured her three cubs, and they're hoping to rehabilitate them by sending them to Simona County Wildlife Rescue. So, they're ripping her cubs from her. And rehabilitate them away from being criminals? What are they, they're going to bear prison? What does that even mean? Well, I guess they're putting them in a wildlife rescue, and they're just, you know, I guess rehabilitating, meaning, hey, we took your mom from you, but hopefully you turn into normal bears, and not ones that at the first sign of trying to exit and destroy and kill people, you'll do that. Not exactly gentle Ben. No, this story's a mess. <laughs> um, anyway, there was somewhere in the article mentioned one of the one of the guys for one of the rescues or sanctuary said he estimates anywhere from 300 to 1,000 bears are euthanized a year. So luckily, Hank the Tank, or Henrietta the Tank, as some are starting to call her, because uh, God forbid we can't have a female bear with a male bear name, um, she survived that. She, she did not get shot and skin for her fur. Well, I'm gonna, I I will strongly, for the second time, disagree with you. She, she can't be named Hank. It just doesn't work. Is there a female name that rhymes with the tank? I can't think of the top of my head. <sighs> Joni. But no, no. We, we could have called her Joni. Joni, Joni the Pony. Have, Joni the Pony would have worked. Uh, test but, the tank. But Hank the Tank has to be for a male bear. I mean, there are rules here. So I think that's disrespectful to this this lady to begin with. I think it's disrespectful. They're they're lumping three bears into into one. That too. I'm glad they're not actually being killed and skinned for your for your winter log cabin fireside chats with lady friends, setting the mood. But these bears, they were they were ripping off screen doors and parts of garage doors, rummaging through garbage, scratching cars, and one ripped off the siding of one house in a possible attempt to enter the house. Wow, like the Kool-Aid man? They're just running through walls now? <laughs> and, and, and we'll go, no, we don't have extra strap again in 2023! I mean, look, you get what you, you get what you get for living, wanting to live on, on Lake Tahoe. You're in the woods, you're in the wildlife, expect some bears. Yeah, I mean, is there not, I'm not up to bear protection technology. Is there not like a, some kind of electrical fence type thing you can put up? Like something that just keeps them away from your property safely, aside from moving them and therefore having to run the risk of them pulling your siding off your house? I guess, but I would say an electrical fence probably runs you a couple grand. All right. Put some honey, like, <laughs> by right. a river. Down Where? river? Yeah, Go down for honey, the salmon. Yeah. Yeah. Find the neighbor you hate and bury salmon in his backyard and make that the place for the bears. 100%. There you go. Oregon and Oregon State rivals rivals and neighbors can do that to each other. Poor Hank the Tank and her two accomplices. I mean, I'm not condoning breaking and entering, but we've got to handle this better if we're the Lake Tahoe officials. Yeah. And ripping the cubs from her. You can't put them in the same one. Right. She's just a bear being a bear. She shouldn't be punished at all. for. You've got to move them, relocate them. Okay, fine. That's I get that. But don't, take our, don't take our kids away. That's what we do as humans. Do what we want. Break up rivalries, break up bear families. <laughs> Everyone's a possible victim. No one knows what analytics is. They think it's like a bunch of nerds doing math, which I don't know, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. Finishing things off on this Monday with more than you need to know about Packers GM Brian Gutekinst. He played two seasons of college football, Wisconsin lacrosse. A shoulder injury ended his career. He first worked with the Packers scouting department as an intern in 97. Two of his four children are golf players. He has a degree in sports management our Ryan Botcher has severe color blindness. Let's go. Let's pick up from there. What is? I just there's a lot of mean? colors I can't see correctly. What's the color of that Army Navy Navy helmet? I don't even know. Well, so you can't see things like that. That 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 in the back screen. Yeah, I can't tell you if that's blue or purple. 
but so like do you see it looks everything looks the same like not everything but okay. there's certain colors that look the exact same just no differentiation yeah so like blue purple uh like maroon and brown orange do you sometimes. do the red, do you have the red and green thing sometimes depends on the shade so was that one football game insane for you that everybody talked about was that a Bills Jet, jets was, game yeah that it messed with me a little bit but the numbers were different i think so i, I was fine wow do you remember when you figured this out? When were you uh, diagnosed? I was like first grade, second grade. They were like, you know, like the, the find the pathway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd had to do that, and I was going the complete wrong direction. And I'm like, okay, let's stop. And they took me to a professional. And yet you dress yourself so well. Well, like, it's and not like, hard to dress with black. No, but colors match. You need to match colors. And Just you don't want to show up in random combinations. Different band shirt every day. It's not the yellow and green shoes marco bloody collection right <laughs> uh by the way despite my last second vote calling brian gutekinst ryan botcher is not gonna work ah uh, come on we've had nearly 40 votes and it's running last <laughs> come on not even 40 votes yeah Pete really thought that I was going to win. Uh, so uh, it appears that Gunty, my man, is going to win and keep its title. Yeah, it's All a good right. one. All yeah. Right. Shocking. I'm surprised BG is second. I guess not everyone found the joke the same way, Pete, of yeah, Brian no. Botcher. I mean, yeah, the 37,000 followers on, on CBS Sports Radio Twitter. Right. Maybe not all 37,000 are familiar with Botch yet. Yeah. yeah. How about Watch Letterman? That's a Letterman skit right there. Time for the epic fail? Yes, so it the, is. Let's do the epic fail. Jody Mac? Did you tell me what it is? Got to be Jody Mac. Uh, no, it was Boyle's Beef with uh, Oh, and Joni. And Joni made it. Is. Sorry, Aunt Joni. Here's your epic fail. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Uh, we got some tweets during the break. Skipper Tim, the Civil War is one of the oldest in the nation for rivalries. It's huge for us. Oregon, Oregon State, 45 minutes apart. Families divided here. It's like if the Yankees and Red Sox never played again. Give me a break. Families divided. Yeah. Families divided. Shut up, Grandma! Yeah. What a joke. That's pretty pathetic. Th thank you, Pete. I mean, thank you. You're my... telling me you can't get along with somebody in your family. No, no, no. Because I... they went to Oregon State and you went to Oregon? I, I don't think... Maybe he... it's because Aunt Joni is a... <laughs> and maybe that's why you can't get along with her. <laughs> I don't think the problem is 365 days a year. I think he means when the game comes around, no one's family anymore. Oh, yeah. It's ducks versus beavers. I'm assuming they still have Thanksgiving dinner together. Food is family. And Joni be damned. Well, yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, Oregon State scored. Okay. That's good for you guys. No. That's maybe maybe I'm underestimating other people's fandom just in general. You root for your team. And if you're playing the team that you don't like, your rival you're on your never-ending rival and never be able to live without the Civil War playing for the Platypus Trophy anymore? That that when Aunt Joni comes over and she's an Oregon State fan, you're not going to be, you're not going to, you know, put your game face on? Like, I'm, I'm assuming Skipper Tim will go to Aunt Joni's funeral when the good Lord takes her from us. I've fallen and I can't get up. And maybe he'll put an Oregon sticker on her tombstone. As he should. Leave a little stuffed duck mascot in there. One last parting shot. Got really <laughs> angry on that one. Yeah. But he's not going to put a Wolverine trinket in there to get Anjoni one more time now. If they if she's, if she survives another 20 years and they have some pretty classic games, then yes, that'll be a, that'll be a good rivalry. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Tough day for Anjoni. Tough day for Boyle, depending on which side of the argument you come on. But more than one person had to ask us outside here in our newsroom if Anjoni was a real person. <laughs> She's not, I think, safely. It's <laughs> the creation from Boyle's twisted mind. I do not have You know where I got it from? Can you guess? I cannot. I got it from that commercial with all the ants. Where it's like, oh. do you have ants? And then the one woman, the yes. woman's open in the fridge, expired. Yes. Expired. Expired. It's a lot of house. And then at the end, it's just the, the little portly redheaded one. She goes, Aunt Joni's here. <laughs> That's what I picture when I picture people talking about families divided. Are those Geico commercials? Those are good commercials. Yes. That's a, those are good ones. They always have winners. The one with the rock, like the rock band in the basement. Yeah, they always, they always seem to hit the nail on the head. And now they've given us Aunt Joni. Expired.
I want to thank today's guest, Tyson Alger, for joining us to walk us through the Oregon perspective of realignment from the Big Ten or to the Big Ten from the Pac-12. Tomorrow, Toby Rowland, voice of the Oklahoma Sooners. He's your sounds of Saturday, plus more on U.S. women's soccer and whatever else happens this afternoon as well. Don't forget, DA's got you on the Jim Rome Show, noon Eastern on some of these same stations and most significantly on CBS Sports Network. For Pete, for Botcher, for Brooke, Boyle, I'm Andrew. Have a great Monday. We'll see you again tomorrow. For now, the mothership disconnects. Quack, 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 quack. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 